everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And Molly and I are married. We've been married for 15 years. We're Almost. In, I thought we were in our 16th. No. We're in our 15th? We got married in 08. Ah, well, I don't do math, so I'm going to believe her. We're in our 15th year of marriage. We have four kids, ages 12 through uh, five, mm-hmm. and one boy and three girls. Uh, and we homeschool, we do judo, we ski, we are now hobby farmers uh, with chickens and orchards and um, vineyards. Growing some giant and pumpkins. Gardens We'd and have two pumpkins that are bigger than a basketball already. Oh, it's a huge pumpkin. Yep. Um, and zucchini coming out of our ears. So our 10 year old daughter, Lily, has been making zucchini cakes almost every day, which has been wonderful. She needs to get started on the next one. Yep. Um, and if you haven't joined us before, well, thanks for being here. We try to be a weekly podcast, but summer has been incredibly challenging uh, scheduling-wise because um, mainly due to the fact that in winter in Montana, we can't do much outside, and then summer comes and there's all these things. Well, we want to get this done on the house. We want to work on this Never part of the yard. We gardening. want to go out and play in the mountains or whatever, and all the gardening and all the things. So summers can be really challenging for us. Regardless, um, if you want to know what to expect on the podcast, um, you can look in our show notes. I've got a time-stamped um, list of topics and things we discussed um, in there. You'll also find relevant links that we've decided to link um, in throughout the show, as well as some uh, regular show links at the very end of the show notes. Because we don't rehearse or plan our conversations. They kind of just, we start talking and we live, we're kind of just living life with you guys uh, but we're telling you about it as we do it. And a lot of times, this week in particular, it seems, this is one of the only times Molly and I have had a chance to um, really connect. Well, I take that back. Last week, I texted your mother, asked her if she could watch the kids so we could go out. So we went out and had dinner together. It we did. super fun. We had a, we had a date with dinner. Mm-hmm. Yep. And really tasty, too. So, anyway, that's a little bit about us. We do this... Uh, podcast for fun and not profit, just for fun. <sighs> yep. I, I'm actually looking at last two weeks, last episode, two weeks ago's show notes. And because I, it's been long enough, I can't remember. Did, do you remember specifically when we were talking about helping men and boys flourish if we were talking about the brain science of developing uh, n- neuropathways of doing hard things, did we talk about that? We did. Okay. We did. Can did you... we talk about running? Uh, no, we did not talk about running. So, so we're a family of runners now, guys. And this coming from me, who worked out a lot in high school because I did high school sports and ran sporadically during college and haven't run since. And so it's now over 20 years since I have run anywhere close to a mile. And me, on the other hand, stopped running somewhere around 2014 or 2015 um, due to just, it just really bothered my back a lot. And I'd been running, you know, in my 20s, I was running 18 to 20 miles. uh, on a on a shot like once a week, and then I'd run, you know, six to ten, 
or somewhere in that neighborhood the rest of the time. And I've kind of been doing that in most of my livelihood. Uh, but I quit in 2014 and started cycling more. Because it was hurting your back. Mm-hmm. It took us a while to figure out that JR needing to go see PT or get massages for back spasms was related to the impact on his body. So, But we're not running 10 miles at a stretch. We are... No. We, the reason we started running it was be- a combination of different things surrounding the conversation that we had last time we recorded an episode about raising boys who aren't content to live on their parents' couch in the basement playing video games for the rest of their lives. And not that I think that our son is going down that path, but you never know. And... We, because we homeschool, we don't do regular PE classes, and so I decided that it would be good for him to run, to run in the mornings, and I sent him out one morning, and our two middle daughters decided to go with him, and the youngest, the eight-year-old, came back, and I go, where, where are the other two? And she goes, they walked, and they get back, and I said, you walked? And they got mad at her for being a tattletale instead of <laughs> for ratting them out. And instead of owning the fact that, golly, you guys can't even run to the end of the street and back? Yikes. And so the next day, I decided that especially our 12-year-old needed me as a personal trainer. So 7.30 in the morning, and this was during our heat, the beginning of our pretty big heat wave, I was like, all right, get your shoes on. We're going on a run. We're going to run to the end of the street and back. It's, I think it clocked out. He wore his watch on maybe day three and it clocked out at 0.97 miles. So then we turn the corner and go, what, 50 yards up the street and back. To a trailer, yeah. Yeah, to a trailer and (laughs) back. And then that gets us right over a mile. And what was interesting, so I'm going to, I'm going to pause that thought and I'm going to go to, I watched this video on Instagram And the guy was talking about neural pathways. So neural being our Mm -hmm. nerves, right? And he said, when you you accomplish something difficult, it creates neural pathways for you. So um, the way that I've described neural pathways to my kid is if you have a pile of sand, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, because the the big learning point in a lot of my Canavox stuff early on was viewing pornography creates neural pathways. And so if you see something that is sexually stimulating that shouldn't be, it will create... Oh, did you watch that Instagram video of the guy who dug a canal in a little peninsula No, you told beach? me about it, though. So, you guys, this is, this is the danger of creating bad neural pathways. This guy was out on the sandbar... And uh, somewhere maybe in Florida, Florida man, and he decided to dig a little a, a tunnel or not, a, just dig a pathway for this seawater to go from one side of this sandbar that he's out on on a beach to the other side. And it's he digs maybe six inches wide, six inches deep, maybe, I, I don't know, 50 feet long. He digs this and the water starts trickling through. And then <coughs> after an hour... It's the size of a significant stream. And after two hours, there's police cars parked there and they're shutting down the beach because it's basically a raging river going from one side of the sandbar to the other. And he basically ruined this beach by digging this little 
this little channel <laughs> that he thought would be kind of fun to have water flow from one side to the other. And that's the danger of creating bad neural pathways is once you go down that path, once water starts flowing, and it's the same, imagine a sand pile. You pour at the very top a bucket of water and a perfectly smooth round sand pile. The water will has to go somewhere and it will create a channel. And then the next time you pour water on the top, the water's gonna go down that same channel and make it deeper and, and wider. And every time you pour water down, it's not gonna evenly flow down the whole mountain of sand. It's gonna go down that one channel and make it deeper and wider. And that's what happens when you repeat things that create these neural pathways. And with <coughs> pornography, that's a bad thing. But apparently, when you do hard things and experience the endorphin rush, the dopamine of accomplishing a hard thing, it creates neural pathways that the next time you look at something hard, you, your brain goes, oh, I know where this goes. I know where this path leads. I know where this water needs to flow. And your brain gets better and better at doing hard things. And he said it, it happens, th those neural pathways are stronger and more easily developed when you're young. And so I decided, you know, man, I really need to have, Titus is at a formative age, we really need to get him accomplishing hard things when he's young and creating those neural pathways and experiencing that dopamine fix essentially mm -hmm. of that satisfaction. And I think that the Rubik's cube accomplishment was one of those neural pathway forming things. It wasn't a physical accomplishment, but it was something hard that took him a long time and a lot of dedication and he accomplished it and it's hugely satisfying to him still. And now he's motivated to get better, to learn more variations of the Rubik's cube. Well, he's also, t so when, um, another anecdote here to kind of go along with that. Several months ago, your dad had given me an old um, home theater stereo receiver. And he gave it to me saying, you know, hey, see if Titus wants to take this apart. And if you, I can sure there's a gabillion guys in our audience, you're like, oh yeah, I grew up taking apart every electronic old thing I could electronics, find. All yeah. the time. I did it all the time. I always had something torn apart. So I said, that'd be great. Titus showed no interest in it. And then um, post Rubik's Cube solving, um, he uh, he's like, yeah, I'll take it apart. And so he's been tearing it apart. And then we were digging through um, some, we can get to this very depressing story later <laughs> in the show, but we were digging through some old boxes of stuff we were going through and found our old laptop, the one Molly had when we got married. And uh, she's like, we should probably throw this away. And she's like, but there's probably a hard drive in there we should save. I'm like, yeah, save the hard drive. Um, and so I handed the computer, the laptop to Tito. I said, Tito. And I built, you know, I built over a dozen computers in my day. Um, I've run custom softwares and all the things. So I'm the, to me, this is like basic stuff. Knowing now that computers are way different. They've got soldered chips in them. They've got integrated memories, all these things. None of that means anything to me. But anyway, so I hand this laptop to Tito. I said, Tito. Take this laptop apart and find me and pull out the hard drive for me. What's the hard drive? Well, I'll look it up and find out. Start digging around. And so he's like, he took a couple of days to like get to find the you know find the screws and pull out and all like why is this coming apart? And he was really dis dedicated and disciplined on that. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with the the Rubik's cube developing this more disciplinary focus of his, or if it's just satisfaction and curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, but I have noticed, like, he's very, um, all the kids, um, even if we don't go, like, 
tied us the other morning, didn't think we were going to be up and running with him, so he took off without us. But what's interesting, okay, so let me back up for just a second and tell you who the video, who was speaking in this video oh, right, okay. about the the brain pathways. It's the guy who founded the Spartan races. So he is both, obviously he's self-promoting. The Spartan race is a for-profit thing. So he makes money off of convincing people to, to get involved in the Spartan races as a way of self-improvement. But he is also saying there is a genuine benefit to you to to take on the challenge of a Spartan race. Of these, if you guys don't know what Spartan races are, they're like crawling over things and crawling through mud and carrying things and kind of a an army army navy training ground race that people do. And so so he's the founder of this. He's keyed into the fact that that this is something hard that people who are couch potatoes can take up and then get addicted to the satisfaction of accomplishing something physically very difficult. So the first day that I took Titus running, neither of us are cardio, you know, in cardio in shape at all. And so we literally had to run 30 seconds, walk 30 seconds, only instead of timing it, I would just mark out, okay, we're going to run to that tree and then I'm going to walk until until the end of that fence. And then we're going to run to that person's driveway. And then we're going to walk until the next person's mailbox. That's sort of what we did. And he was he was jamming his toes into the ground. You know, like just shuffling and running. And we'd get to five feet before the place that I'd marked out. And he'd start walking. And then he'd walk for ten feet after the place where I said we needed to start running again. And by day three, he was the one setting the targets. And the turnaround of, okay, I can do that. Okay, you know, it is it is satisfying. The, the brain chemistry of him accomplishing that was shockingly fast to me because I thought for at least a couple weeks I would be dragging him out of bed, haranguing him for the entire run, and literally it was a three-day turnaround to where he was the one setting the targets. And yes, he's... He got up and took off without any of us for two mornings in a row now. The girls in JR have now taken on running as well. I've, I actually, I bought a new parachute. Well, I've always loved running and it was hard for me to let it go. But I thought, you know, it's I, not worth it for the back problem. It's not worth it for the back problem, but I can handle a mile or a mile and a half, two miles, you so, know, with my kids. So my goal is for us to work up to two miles and we're, then just that. We're close. I would like to see... I'm a, I'm going to add more goals to the family because that's what I do. I think we should throw a 5k in next year. Yeah. We should do like a heart, like there's a local like, like a heart and, and soul miles, 5k. Right? Yeah. Should throw in a 5k with the kids. You guys are Titus isn't here right now. Our 10-year-old Lily is she's nuts. a natural runner. Yeah. Her stride is crazy long and her pace is crazy fast yes and she gets done she's not even like she's not even breathing hard Titus and I are like dripping sweat I can't keep up <laughs> I had a hard time keeping up with her it was a week after I started running and then we took off kind of ahead and I said okay now you got to push yourself a little bit and go a little bit faster towards the end and she took off <laughs> and I was like um she's like full-on sp- almost sprinting right now and I was like I I didn't know that I was going to be able to keep up with her for the last, you know, 200 yeah, yards. It's, it's a little bit crazy because, and it's it's frustrating to Titus because he's now been running yeah. for two weeks 
I mean, it's not that much time, but it feels like it to him. He's been putting this time and she's way faster effortlessly than he mm-hmm. is. But he also has a couple more years on him and more body weight and things like that. Yeah, that's more harder, mass and everything else. Harder to schlep around. But um, so just as it, here's Molly's new health kick thing that, that I'm on is I've been learning about the the problems that modern America, modern Western shoes cause for an entire body. And so the, the two main things is that your toe box and your shoes needs to be wide enough for your toes to actually splay out. Because when you're running, all of your toes naturally will kind of splay out. And modern shoes like an, a Hoka or a New Balance or a Brooks, like all the nice shoes are squishing your toes together as well as all women's dress shoes and a lot of men's dress shoes and kids shoes from from a very young age we're squishing our toes together to the point where kids toes are actually overlapping and that is the cause of bunions you guys it bunions is not a genetic thing it's not something that just happens it happens because you're wearing shoes that are miss that are misshaping your feet to the point where your bones are growing are calcifying and growing weird knobs on them because your your feet are not aligned the way that they should be which is just crazy to learn that bunions are a modern western shoe issue and then the other issue is if your if your foot is not able to properly flex uh it's going to cause issues all the way up like Ankle issues, knee issues, hip issues, back issues, neck issues, tooth, your butt, like the way that your bite is uh, in your mouth can, the miss, uh, malfunction in your mouth can be a function of not letting your feet move in the way that they should. So all of that. So anyway, that's a, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, I can send you information. It's mostly stuff that I'm learning off of Instagram, but there's actually... Anya's Reviews is a website. There's this girl named Anya who had a ton of health problems and she's really passionate about barefoot shoes. And so I've been using her, uh, it's anyasreviews.com. I've been using her website for a lot of information as well as discount codes that she has on barefoot shoes. And I'm not, I tried, I remember way back, maybe not super way back, but there was a point where I, I did a, I did a couple of runs mainly on your mom's treadmill. It was like winter out. And I'm like, I'm going to, you were talking about It was after running. that book. We read that book, Born oh, to Run. yeah, Born and to Run. And then the, the yeah. five finger shoes got really popular. My mom was talking about, because my, my mom has been, she's run several marathons. My brother is an ultra trail runner, so he does 1,500 milers. My sister's a marathoner. Um, and they're just, they're crazy about it. And I, you know, I can sort of keep up, but not really. But anyway, the, um, I ran barefoot on the treadmill. I did like two miles barefoot on the treadmill. And it was a different experience, but it was enjoyable. So this time around, uh, and then a couple of years ago, I bought some, I had a pro deal with uh, La Sportiva Shoes. Mm-hmm. And they make climbing shoes and hiking boots. Well, they made it a, a shoe designed to like wear to the climbing rock, an approach shoe, they call it. And it was the toe box was so wide. Hmm. I felt, I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, now it's all kind of popular. So Ultra makes a makes a wide toe box running shoe that I picked up and I love it. It's fantastic. And you're, it's like changing out my ski boots al- last year. Your Alturas are 
are squishy. Oh, so I got lots of cushion. Like a barefoot push person would right. say that they're a transition shoe because you right. don't have as much foot yep. mobility, but you do have the wide toe box. Uh, but I also have bad knees, so I'm going to take yeah, the cushions. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I bought Titus a pair of uh, Zero, X-E-R-O brand running barefoot shoes, and then transitioned for him from some cushy Brooks. I mean, they were from Goodwill, so they're not great. You know, they might mm-hmm. be really broken down on the inside, even though they look fine on the outside. But the transition for him into those barefoot shoes has been a little bit rough. And his knees were hurting when we were running before, so we need to... And he said his knees aren't hurting now, but his heel hurts, and it's kind of the way he's landing. Oh. I watched, because Lily... He Lili, lands really heavy. Yeah, Lily... Well, so do I. Lily and Elise both... Well, Lily particularly is more... She's really light on her foot. Yeah. She's much more on the ball or mid part mm-hmm. of her foot. She runs in barefoot shoes. So it's more of a... I think over As, time, he and I can both just work on posture and form. And yeah, and working on your stride. Body There's, dynamics. I need to get him watching some videos on like barefoot running form so he just understands. Because when things hit differently, when mom's like, hey, try this with your running. Like the mm-hmm. first day we went running, he's just flopping his arms around. And I was like, it actually helps your like good running form actually helps you to run better and not be tired as fast so like hold your arms at right angles and pump them and then he like exaggerated it to me and i was like no that's no because you're actually you're actually using your upper body then to help drive your lower body yeah and he you know if i were to find a youtube video telling him that it would hit differently than mom not only being math teacher and science teacher and spanish teacher and also track coach now and mom (laughs) he will he i mean he's he's getting up and going although i think today he rode his bike or something no yesterday he rode his bike uh he ran today today he ran the mile Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean he's getting you get used to it after a while but um it's so you guys i will tell you it is i i do not enjoy it i do not enjoy a a step of the running (laughs) i am 100 percent doing this (laughs) For my family, because this is also a true... I actually enjoy the steps of running. This but. is also a true statistic, and I I can't give you a link, but I'm sure if we Google it, we could find it. But supposedly, uh, children's physical health is, in the long term, correlates to mom's level of physical activity, not dad's. And so if mom works hard at being physically fit... It's more likely that, that when the kids grow up to be adults, they will be physically active. Whereas if dad is physically active but mom is not, the odds of them, of the kids growing up to be physically active are lower. So that's motivating to me as well. That I was setting an example to my kids. Not only am I not just harping on them and telling them to go out to get some exercise, but I'm doing it with them. But I'm also in a, you know, in a train up the child in the way they should go. Proverbial I'm trying to sense. think, growing up, I'm trying to think if we, um, who, because my dad was working all the time. You know, he didn't really, I mean, he didn't, he was a wrestler. He he did wrestling. He was a state wrestler in track, but he didn't like, and he always encouraged us, but it was my mom who got us out. Like she was the one who got us going in the homeschool track stuff and she would come out and run with us or, you know, uh, do the track thing with us. And she was the one that would take us skiing and do some of the skiing stuff, although she never skied, I don't think, except a little bit. Um, you know, my, so I, maybe that's maybe that's the case. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. my I'm brother sure. was the one who couldn't run. Like, 
growing up, he was stiff. He clomped along like Tito. That's what he did. <laughs> so there's and hope now for he's Titus. like <laughs> now, now he's, he's like, like crushing hundred milers. Like, what's going on? So yeah, it's crazy. Good for him. Yeah. So I know for a fact that we've never given you guys an update from the cat door mouse situation from months ago. We never found any further traces of the mouse. And Titus actually, one of the great joys that I have in having a son who's growing up is he is a son who loves to clean and organize things. And he just gets great satisfaction. He, on his own, well, the other night, said, Mom, can I organize this kitchen cupboard that's really a mess? Yes. <laughs> and it is a mess. That's not one of my strengths, even remotely. He's not, you know, I can't deploy him just to everything. But Well, he, he asks, like, we got a big garage, we'll get to this too. Uh, we got a big garage reorganization coming. And he's like, Dad, can I help you with that? Oh, he just gets, yes. he loves to, in his room is not always clean, but when it's clean, it is also mm. organized. I didn't. I never told anybody this, but I was looking for a pen before church one Sunday, and I knew Titus. Titus really likes the same pens I do. They're super extra fine point, and they write really well. And I knew he likes to run off with my pens, and so I'm like, I wonder. So I started pulling open his desk drawer. It's super neat and tidy in yeah, there. Yeah, it's so funny. I guess maybe it's a firstborn thing or something. Anyway, his personality. So he cleaned out one of the snack cupboards that I had thought, okay, if the mouse was still in the house this cupboard doesn't always get closed all the way and the bottom shelf is the chips and cereal shelf this is where the mouse would be hanging out if it were still loose in the kitchen no sign of a mouse in there uh so i think it ran outside and it for those of you who guys don't don't know what i'm talking about this spring when we were in the dominican republic my father-in-law installed a cat door for us the it worked great as soon as they figured it out until our younger cat Minerva discovered that she could bring mice back inside and instead of leaving her prizes for us on our back step she could leave them for us on our kitchen floor. The problem with that besides the fact that it's gross to have a dead mouse on your kitchen floor is that she doesn't always kill them before she brings them inside and I get it was it May maybe she brought a live mouse into the house while JR was out working late one night, and I tried to help her re-catch it all over our living room, uh, <laughs> upending furniture, and eventually she lost it, but I had opened our backsliding door in the hopes of shooing it out there, and our thinking is that it did actually run out when she lost it, chasing it around our kitchen island. Anyway, so the fortunate happenstance of me purchasing this door that I just got from walmart.com was that it's a two-way door so you can close it off to one direction and we thought we had it closed off to one to to only let them go out and not come back in and Minerva kept bringing things in because the the little button would get nudged to the side so my friend Addie suggested that I hot glue the button shut which I did it has worked gloriously Except I had a, it was one night, again, JR was out working late, it's pouring rain, just pouring buckets of rain, sometime in June, I think, and she comes into my bedroom where I am in bed soaking wet, and I freaked out, 
because <laughs> I thought that meant that there was something spraying water all over in our house. One of the windows was maybe open, so I checked every window in the house. All the windows are closed. And then I checked our furnace room because one time we got back from a cabin trip and I was like, I swear I hear water running. And something from where our well comes into our house down in our furnace room had broken and it was spraying water all over the furnace room and it was leaking out onto the floor. So I went downstairs and I checked the furnace room. I checked every faucet in the house. Could not figure out how this cat got soaking wet. Because remember, the cat door is closed off to one way. And then I realized that she is using her claws and hooking them under the cat door and pulling it open. (laughs) And it takes her about 30 seconds of maneuvering. So you hear the cat door, like it's plastic on plastic, kind of a muted, and then scratching at it and then a little bit more thumping. And then she pulls it open when she gets a good a good hook, you know, hooks it well with her claws and then comes in. I don't think that she could open it with a still alive mouse in her mouth. So I'm pretty, I don't think so either. I'm pretty comfortable with the situation as it currently stands, but it's a funny situation. It is a super funny situation. Um, well, that's a good update. So let's get to the most depressing thing I think you and I have ever done in our married lives. Hey, that seems like a strong statement. You were crying. That's, that is that is not untrue. <laughs> I wanted to just crawl under a rock and die. Like I was texting some of my buddies. I was like, guys, this is the worst. This is the worst. And my buddy, my buddy Mike, who I have Bible study with, responds and goes, yeah. Yeah, there's always a little bit of an existential crisis after a garage sale. And it wasn't the fact that we had a garage sale. It was that we had kind of a failed garage sale. And it struck me... And by failed garage sale, you guys, we had great signage. Like, we had people complimenting our signage. We had quite a few people come through. And they would buy, like, a 25-cent candle. Or a 25-cent book. And we had... I actually counted 125 children's clothing items. I counted it because then I listed them on Facebook Marketplace. Probably 30 to 40 pairs of outgrown, still in good shape children's shoes, uh, including nice ones that were priced, I thought, appropriately. And people would come by a cheap book or a cheap candle. Here's the our children who were selling lemonade, iced tea, and zucchini sandwich cookies made as much money as we did, basically. <laughs> and we had furniture that Jared's parents were selling from downsizing. And I mean, we had like a chariot out there. Well, the, the, the bike a trailer. Really nice bike trailer. We had, I thought that was going to go stroller. right away. We had a bugaboo stroller out there. I thought it was going to go right away. We had a couple of like a gun locker. And it's, you know, so we had some, we weren't selling junk and it was all really organized. We had, Tons of clothes, like really good clothes. And they're all neatly hung out on the rack. And when it struck me was when we were tearing down and getting, you know, and packing up, packing up the driveway. We filled JR's entire hauled, truck with stuff to It's go been to filled twice. It's still full of stuff that's going to a different location. But I took a run to the dumpster. And one of the benefits of owning commercial property is there's always those great big commercial dumpster bins. And so on a, I, you know, it's emptied on Saturdays, so I, I use it on Saturdays. I try to, you know, obviously leave it for the tenants, but um, I started throwing things out. 
and I got to um, I got to the both the a VHS collection and a cassette collection from your mother because and they were sorry, ministry. Mom. Goodwill wouldn't take them. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> ministry oriented, um, you know, and they're, they're they were like tape of the month good. things. That yeah, she used but to there's like to. series on like the all, like the white horses and stuff, sound. like really great stuff. And I'm just and I'm I'm like these are ending up in the trash. Like a ministry put, and you and I worked for a ministry at one point, and we know how much effort, energy, money. And hope. time and hope goes into these really good resources that, you know, they spend all this time and energy and money and stuff on to produce these things. And then people will go out and spend lots of really good, hard-earned money to buy and utilize these resources. And at the end of the day, you throw them in a dumpster. And I'm like, what? this is so backwards I, okay, right I, now. I will... I will amend like at least with that i know that my mom my mom is one of those people who actually listens to all the things yes so she all of her white horse in all of the cassette tapes the stuff from rc sproul's ministry i guarantee you my mom listened to all of that and benefited from it and just couldn't find somebody who wanted to benefit from it now but i'm i i'm not sure about white horse in but i'm positive that Ligonier Ministries, which is R.C. Sproul, has pivoted, and they do a podcast where they replay R.C. Sproul's stuff over and over. Because there was a there was a guy. This is so funny. This guy came through, and he That's was a like, "Great idea. We just down we just downsized." My wife said, "I'm not allowed to buy anything but baseball cards. Do you have any baseball cards here?" And I was like, "No, no baseball cards." Turns out we had baseball cards in the garage that were my brother's old ones. <laughs> Which actually oh. no, this actually was an idea that I had. We need to we need to get Titus researching if there's any value in him and to have him do Ooh, something with him. Yeah. I think he'd be super motivated. Because I actually that. have I in our safe uh, I have a couple of like I think I've got a Shaquille O'Neal rookie card, a couple of Barry Sanders rookie cards. So I've got I've got a couple cards that, that I'm has like, some value. I'm gonna keep those. Maybe. Um, but well, no, no, no. So so anyway, um, so this guy he's like, but I just couldn't resist. I just had to buy these books, and one of them was a Frank Peretti. And the other one was maybe Chuck Colson. Anyway, he bought two two old books that were... And he was like, I just... I listened to so-and-so... I don't know if it was R.C. Sproul someone on this radio station out of, out of Nevada. And I was like, Pilgrim Radio? And he's like, you know Pilgrim Radio? I was like, yes. Yes, I know Pilgrim Radio. And he's like, oh, and you know, just Frank Peretti. There's a dentist in town by the name of Peretti. I think they're related. And I was like, you go, you... But anyway, um, but he said that he's still, I don't know what he, he's retired, but he's like, I still listen to R.C. Sproul on, you know, on a podcast. So, so they were using the media that was appropriate for that day and sort of like, it feels like a waste for us to take this laptop that I had all through college and seminary that was top of the line when I purchased it and have our son just you know oh you can't get that screw undone just break the plastic around it like it's worth nothing it's literally worth nothing now and the same thing those the content in there is still worthwhile and they are making use of it but the hard copy of it is again is is basically worthless 
you know, worth is in the eye of the beholder. But, um, but golly, it is just a sign of our times of how fast technology moves. And so talk about your thoughts about the end of the garage sale. Yeah. So you guys, we, I ended up feeling like quite a failure, truthfully, because I, I felt like we have amassed all of this stuff. And just seeing the sheer quantity of we still have a house full of stuff and we're trying to get rid of an entire massive driveway. I mean, picture a pickleball court and then picture stuff aligned all around the outside of it because that's pretty much our driveway has a pickleball court spray painted onto it. We haven't talked about that yet. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I posted it on. Maybe maybe we can say, let's stay on track. Stay on track. Because there's another another interesting thought I just kind of want to lob out at listeners Uh, about all of this when you're yeah so anyway I feel like I I looked at it and I felt like I've just been such a poor steward and made poor decisions and some of that is not true um like I was trying to sell some educational kids toys and some of them like like a set of wooden blocks that nobody wanted to buy we four kids have spent hours building things with these wooden blocks or even the Barbie dollhouse. Uh, our girls have played for with it for hours. I don't know if you remember when we first got it, we didn't have enough dolls to play in it. Mm-hmm. And so Titus and Lily would use their cars. Because oh, they were in yeah. their, their cars, as in like, what was the car's name? The cars, uh, Cars, the movie. The movie Cars. Yeah, Lightning um, McQueen. Lightning McQueen. So they were in their cars era, and they would play with Matchbox cars with names and personalities and this was i mean they could have a pillowcase full of matchbox cars and know which one was missing and cry about that one because they're going to miss that and i'm like it's a blue truck like (laughs) oh my goodness but that was you know no that's not the blue truck that's so and so and you know personality and that's his role and all this and they would use the barbie house for their cars (laughs) they're imaginary so we've gotten lot and we bought it secondhand like i think we paid maybe 50 to 75 dollars for it same price i'm trying to sell it for <laughs> but um that, i mean that's the going rate on facebook marketplace it seems like but anyway like so when i sit back and look at it it's like okay it's depressing to be moving this back into our house and creating more clutter until we can figure out what to do with it and we can't get it's going to be hard to get rid of it because faith is now emotionally attached to something she hardly even knew existed a week ago that's beside the point. So anyway, feel like challenged, well, depressed at having felt like a poor steward and depressed at feeling like we were going to be lighter and more lean and clean, literally more clean, and then shoving all this stuff back into the garage and finding places for it or just... And, I mean, we talked about this with your parents a little bit. The... Just what an interesting cultural moment that we're in that that you just, even nice things are so disposable and we have so much excess in our modern culture that people are not garage sale hungry like they maybe were. 10 or 15 years ago because you you can buy something I mean here's another example of how weird our culture is I'm shopping for 
some new chairs for our schoolroom because I've decided we don't use our schoolroom. And I've decided at least part of the problem. Part of the problem is it's messy. Part of the problem is the chairs that I inherited from my mom's parents are just deeply uncomfortable. And it doesn't matter what I've tried. They're old chairs. It would take a major rehaul to make these chairs comfortable. And so I've been looking on Facebook Marketplace for chairs that would go with the aesthetic in that room and also would be comfortable. And I can get chairs that I like cheaper on Amazon than I can used on Facebook Marketplace. And probably, honestly, from Goodwill or the Rescue Mission, even if I could find what I liked there. There, when I... Oddball, random side note. When I dropped off our stuff at Goodwill, um, there was a set of chairs there that I'm like, oh, those are cool. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't buy them, though. Um, Another uh, funny comment. Um, I did see a lot of irony in the fact that... So one of the the cultural... Interesting points in culture that we are at, at least here in Billings, is that there are storage units going up everywhere. And the ones that exist are going up and there's a brand up as new... Up in they're building a multiple stories. Yeah, multiple that. stories. Yeah, like, oh, we've got one level here. Let's just go up three more. Um, I did find a lot of irony in the fact that there's a brand new storage facility going in right behind Goodwill. <laughs> so it's almost like... But Store I mean, like your stuff here for every... $400 a month for a couple of years and then yeah. just haul it straight across the And my mom, my mom brought up, and this is the interesting kind of thought I just want to kind of lob out there. My mom said that after, um, up until... Up until um, the Great Depression, um, or after a little bit after, kind of right around World War II, um, she said that there wasn't, and my mom's not that old, but obviously her parents were, um, that flea markets got really, really popular right after about kind of World War II. Because up until the Depression, getting rid of your things was a sign that you were in poverty. And so selling stuff, it was a sign that you were poor and you you had to sell when you had to sell your belongings. And now we live in a point of culture where belongings have gone from they've gone from like, hey, we can recycle and move through interesting things. And that's cool to, hey, we have so much that nobody else wants it because they've got too much. And you can get anything anywhere for nobody even wants our good cast offs. Yeah, you know, and we did have some lady showed up at seven. We started the garage sale at seven or eight, eight. eight o'clock, and some lady showed up like seven twenty, and she's trying to buy Molly's skillets and Pendleton blankets. Well, yeah, I mean she she knew she was looking for oh, yeah. for a deal she could flip because she's like she's looking through a pile of baby blankets and they're all polyester, and she's like, "You got any wool blankets?" And I was like, "Yeah, inside, and not that I'm selling." and she kind, of, she kind of asked again. I was like, actually, I do have a wool Pendleton blanket that I bought off of Facebook Marketplace a couple weeks ago because I thought somebody was selling it for too cheap. And, you know, we love Pendleton. And she's like, is it real Pendleton? And I was like, yes, it's Beaver State, which is a Pendleton sub-brand. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, and I was like, and I'd be willing to sell it to you for, for $5 more than I paid for it. And um, the kids brought it out. She looked at it, and she's like, "You paid a good price for this, but it's still more than I'm willing to pay for it." <laughs> um, and Molly's, Molly tells me later, she's like, "Look, lady." She's like, "I didn't say this, but look, lady, I know what I have, and I know what it's worth." Yeah. <laughs> I chuckled because I, I didn't know what it was worth when some friends of my parents that I grew up with their kids gave us a Pendleton, the Glacier National Park. If you guys are into Pendleton blankets 
blanket for our wedding and uh i went to buy a duplicate for it when we were doing our pop-up camper because i wanted matching blankets on either side of the camper Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is a 350 dollars blanket holy cow wow i am not buying a matching one and then it turned out that my parents had a matching one that i co-opted and we had matching ones in our pop-up camper for that time but um but yeah i mean now i know what i have with the pendleton and then she's like you got any you got any cast iron and i was like (laughs) (laughs) baby go away (laughs) not out here and then she asked about something else and i was like i i do not think that this is the garage sale for you like we're we're not selling that type of stuff anyway you guys i'm never doing a garage sale again at least not in this day and age like it's just too easy to sell stuff on sold least one thing on Facebook marketplace already. And it's just like, don't, what I'm trying to tell myself is question every, everything that I'm purchasing, you know? And it's like, is this, is this going to lead to a bout of depression when I have to dump it? (laughs) Or is this going to, um, you know, there's always, you've got to be careful when you go down the road of, does this bring me joy? Um, I'm old enough now and have been along in my life, personal life, long enough that I know what it is that I really, really enjoy. Um, And I was just having this conversation with um, a friend uh, yesterday. We were talking about, um, I asked him if he's going skiing this year. And he's like, no, no, we're not. I mean, he's, he's like, we'll go skiing, but it's not really, we're not, it's not like a part of our ongoing. He's like, we're not really super, I forget his term. It was really appropriate. Not like super into it or super dedicated. It's not like our super jam, like as a family. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things we do. And he's a little bit opposite because they, they're super into downhill mountain biking. And that's their thing. They're out every single weekend. They buy the season passes. They And I'm, and I'm like, I, yeah, that's not, I was like, that's opposite. I said, yeah, my, like, that's something that we, that's our family's jam. Like asking you and my kids. And if that would probably be the very last thing they would give up if it came down to an order of. Things. So it's like you kind of have to kind of Set you know, does it bring priorities. does it bring value to other people? Um, is it something that I can actually use, or do I already have something that already is filling this role, um, or whatever? You know, it's like I'm. <laughs> you start questioning. I think, do I need another pair of shoes? Do I really need that shirt? Well, in fact, my my buddy Marshall, um, he has a really nice used hunting soft shell that is too big for him. He's going to cut me a really heck of a good deal. And I'm like, I really don't need it, though. Would it be good? Yeah. Is it different? Sure. I don't need it, though. Oh, good job for you. <laughs> that was your inner wife speaking. So I'm like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'll just, it's almost easier anymore to get what you need when you need it. I mean, it's great to find a deal and to buy something when it's cheap. It's like, I'm never going to see this deal again. Um, if you know you might need it in the future, but that kind of mentality, too, like... But that's why I have six pairs of Keen shoes that I bought used for great deals. And then I started wearing Chacos and all the kids decided they wanted to be Chaco wearers. And so I have all of these Keen shoes that I bought used that they would grow into that they refuse to wear because they prefer Chacos to Keens. And hopefully I'll be able to sell them, not at a loss, uh, on Facebook Marketplace. But yeah, that I found a great deal on something and... Titus found a couple of shoes at the bottom of his closet, his organized closet that he that I had bought for him to grow into, like this awesome pair of Sorel men's dress shoes, leather dress shoes. 
and he blew past the size that they are and can't even squeeze his feet into them anymore. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. I mean, I, I, the Goodwill price sticker was still in them. I paid $8 for them. It wasn't like the end of the world that he never wore them. But, you know, it's just, it's, there's an accumulation of that that is disheartening to look at the, like, to put it all in a pile in your driveway and realize that how much of that you've done. Uh, here's the other thing, though. I was visiting with a friend this morning. She came over for coffee and she was like, I feel like my husband and I laugh about this, but it feels like we always do everything backwards. We make, we make these decisions and then we're like, no. We put our garden in over here because we thought that would be the best place in our whole yard for the garden. And then we decided to get the two kids a trampoline. And really where the garden is, is the best place for the trampoline. So then we had to create a new garden plot and transfer all of the nice dirt that we'd put in and the weed fabric and stuff. Then we had to move it to somewhere else. And now, now we have chickens. And now I feel like if we want to expand the chicken run, the garden's too close to where the chickens will be. And so she's like, it just, this the what she was describing i'm wearing a shirt you guys from sola gratio co and it's a charles spurgeon quote and it says there's hardship in everything except eating pancakes and <laughs> it's a big picture of pancakes it's a on big it. stack of pancakes on an old corral dish which is also ironic because molly doesn't like pancakes i love making pancakes though because my oh. everybody else loves eating oh them. you're so good at well. uh, but but i think that there's this very real at some point there's so it life is a little bit like standing knee deep in the ocean and the tide comes in and out and the waves get a lot bigger and a lot harder on you but there's this constant ebb and flow of waves hitting you and you just have to i don't want to say harden yourself but steel yourself to living in a hard world to live we live in a fallen world and we are not going to make the right financial choice all of the time we are going to create you know we're going to be wasteful intentionally or unintentionally from what we thought was a good decision at the time or from what we i mean there was a season where we were looking we bought this house thinking it was a really wise financial decision and then everything broke on it and we were just swimming in like every time we got ahead above the water taxes shot up and then i lost work and it's like oh yeah my gosh. and and then we're like but but we made we we made the best decision that we thought we could well and that's time. i was gonna say that too like with all of these decisions i've learned over the years that you can't you can't beat yourself up for making these decisions you did because you did. I mean, if you're really like Molly and I talk about most of our major decisions, like house purchases and car swaps and, you know, job work and kid raising and all the things, do um, you make the best decisions you can with the information you have available? But you live in a fallen. world. You live in a fallen and world, and never things have perfect information. Super, and things change. Life is constantly changing all the time. Like we, we had this. I mean, we talked about this with the, with the cars. Did you know? <laughs> we the thought van, this Toyota Sequoia yeah, we bought was going to last us yeah, forever. Yeah, and I and I had this truck that we were going to do this for, and then the truck started to break and fall apart and become really frustrating, and then. Um, and then we bought the van and all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't need the Sequoia anymore because the van fills every role, the Sequoia and my truck filled. And so we can change how we do things. And so like 
but we that didn't make our decisions previous bad. It's just we're making the decisions we have, and your family changes, your life circumstances change, and there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there are objectively bad decisions out there. Um, but I think that having a perspective that we live in a fallen world with imperfect information and where we we like technology changes and things move forward and kids grow up and kids forget that they had this pair of shoes in their closet or their tastes change. We just have to give ourselves a little bit more grace and lean into, I mean, all of this should point us back to Christ, right? That we need, we need a savior who redeems us from our poor choices, who redeems this fallen world where there is so much waste, who will create a perfected world in glory where we, you know, where we're great, we're the best stewards in the world possible of, of everything. There's, there is no more, you know, disgusting waste or excess. And, and so I, you know, looking, letting our frustration at our own sense of poor stewardship point us to Christ as well as pointing us to gratitude. I mean, JR, by the time we had our family prayer time that night, was at least in praying, like, thank you, God, that we have things. Thank you that, you know, that we have this home. Thank you that we've had all this stuff and, you know, forgive us for being poor stewards, but help us to to strive to be better stewards. So that's one thing I would say. And the other thing is, thank God for friends, because you're leading into, you know, you're texting Mike and you're discouraged and he's, (laughs) he's in it with you. I mean, and I, I had a friend who was giving me great advice about about garage sales and she's like the garage sale queen she crushes garage sales she actually held a garage sale at the beginning of the summer for a trip they were taking to pay for their entire rental car cost and something else costs and she made enough money in that garage sale to do it and I'm like yeah we got she texts me afterwards like how'd it go and I was like uh our kids made more money selling lemonade and cookies than we made I think (laughs) I'm I'm going to hope that I can sell this stuff in batches on Facebook Marketplace. I've actually had multiple people bite on the clothes and then they fall through, which is frustrating, but whatever. Um but but anyway, like and she, you know, it's just it is we are not designed to walk through this fallen world alone. And it's so comforting and encouraging to have people who are you know, ahead of you in it. Like my mom even was like, I, I said, Titus is pretty frustrated because now, because he worked his tail off helping us haul stuff out and set up. He was up, um, what, six in the morning helping haul stuff out of the garage to put it in our driveway. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end of the day, he too was nearly in tears loading stuff in the truck. And I'd promised him some of the money that we made. And then it's like, we didn't make any money. So he's not getting a cut on stuff. And so... Anyway, he, um, you know, my mom was like, I think it's a great lesson for him to see you guys processing this. And she's like, and we, you know, we as your parents have gone through, you know, feeling wasteful and seeing things not pan out the way that we had hoped. And, you know, and then you've got your peers alongside you saying like, oh man, yeah, we, we're struggling with the same mm-hmm. thing. And it's just such a blessing to not be trying to navigate all of this by yourself, but to have people who can just literally just stand beside you and say, yep, I know, I know how you feel and I'm in it with you. Yeah. 
Um, well, coming up uh, next week, we're the next episode, because I, I keep saying next week, and then we have something that gets in the way. I think um, we I think we could strive for a next week. We can definitely we strive have... for a next week. Um, it's already filling up. Yay. And I'm headed out. Molly's headed out. Um, <laughs> you guys, I'm headed out on two weeks of touring, which is going to be kind of fun in Idaho with a country group. And then uh, I'm meeting my wife and kids in uh, Flathead, the Flathead Valley for our camping trip with my brother. But she's Titus. Titus is going to pack the van and they're just going to jump in and drive. And I, I got to say... That's really the cool thing about having a van is like it's generally always kind of ready to go. Like you just kind of put food in there, refill the water and throw your clothes in and you're off. Um, I I will say, though, I am a bit anxious about getting the loading and stuff going without you. And Titus is tremendously helpful and proficient. Titus knows everything. But if anything happens to the van on this seven or eight hour drive where you're another state over... Uh, and we're in remote places without cell service at times. Uh, I'm a little bit anxious about that. We got friends in Bozeman. We got friends in Missouri. Right, but there's no cell service in, in some of these places. Oh, and Garmin. they're your friends. Take my Garmin. They're your friends. Take my Garmin, text me. I'll text my <laughs> friends. You'll be safe. We'll be good. We got parents here. Um, I'm not particularly concerned about anything. Um, anyway, so next week, that's happening next week. Um, and so we'll be at the end of next week so we'll get to show up before then and that's when we will talk to you about not simply becoming a running family we are now a pickleball family oh that's right (laughs) we didn't mention that but we're over we're mostly at an hour now so okay I will turn the page on my planner Um, and write write podcast for we're gonna aim for 816 we're gonna aim to record on Wednesday maybe Tuesday Let's go for Tuesday. 8.15, we will discuss pickleball. Nice. Okay. Um, that said, you guys, we did link a few things in the show notes, so go back and look for those. A couple of videos uh, for sure. And um, if you have anything you would like to tell us or if you would like to participate in the conversation around what we've talked about on the show today or just anything in general the number one place people love to do that is on our telegram group i've got a link to our private group in the show notes click on that jump in and join the conversation with a few of what will become your some of your great friends and there's been some odd connections that were made on there too which was kind of fun so um anyway do that if you want to also uh jump on our website you can send us a postcard there www tb the number 2f.com tb2f.com or too busy to flush.com all grammatically correct scroll down and you'll see a little postcard option there we have some other links and some store uh, a non-updated store maybe this winter we're just gonna put it onto a winter project since i can't be outside um, update the store with uh, mugs shit hats shirts swag kind of the fun stuff and um with that We're going to go upstairs and try to clean our house. I'm at the show and upload it, I think. I'm going to go try to clean. All right. Well, I love you, baby. You're the best. All right. Messy, but the best. See you guys hopefully next week.